0: David X. Hey, how are you? Good. Good. I just got finished enjoying spring break. Yeah? Yeah. Um and I'm and so I'm now on uh week 3 of my Google Home or maybe I'm maybe week 4. Anyway, I've got far enough along in the Google Home experience where I'm now starting to get annoyed by stuff. You know, you know hmm. what I mean? Kind of Yeah. mean yeah. So train. the
1: it's really the test it's the the uh what do you call it? The um the
0: trough, oh, the curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's right. Um, so I, you know, in order to get, uh, everything working, all the various devices that you pick up, you know, of course you need a thermostat and then obviously a remote microphone so you can listen in on your friends and then, uh, you know, all the cam- various cameras, uh, the lights, light switches, dimmers, what have you. Um, each one of these usually come from a different vendor, right? Cause you're, cause you're buying usually based on price or something like that. You're not, uh, you're not sticking to one vendor. Well, the way that the Google home system works is you got to kind of connect to Google home individually to each of the vendors APIs. And so I've probably got say a dozen devices, uh, which amounts to like four or five different vendors for mm-hmm. equipment. And, uh, now, each, now the Google home talks to each of those devices. Each of those devices is also hooked into HomeKit, And basically I'm just now covered in eels and I have no idea where my data is. um, I don't know. Do you got any advice for me? Should I be worried or should I just surrender and, uh, and enjoy my voice activated home?
1: Yeah. It's like you, you need to either be blissfully ignorant or just like write it off and mm-hmm. just hope, hope for the best, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, surely Google has my best interest at heart, right? Always. Right. <laughs> it's just sweet surrender. That's where I am. Yeah. That's, um, and I and I guess I, I will remain blissfully ignorant of, of where all this data is going um uh at least until the subpoenas show up.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well and there are like they're starting to um get more and more advanced too. Like I, I saw some recent press about some like multi-step actions it can do or something. Like you say good morning and it could do like a bunch of things, but it's a little janky.
0: Yeah, it's uh yes, slightly janky. Um although although very welcome. So there's, there's a, so if you say good morning and then you have, there's probably a dozen actions, like you can have it turn your phone off silent, uh, turn on or off these lights, um, uh, uh, play XYZ podcasts, you know, for Mm -hmm. news, um, do the temperature, uh, remind you of your calendar this morning and you can kind of select which of these things to do in, you know, and, and, um, which is actually great. It's uh, it's really nice. You know, wake up in the morning. You're like, hey, Google, I'm up, and then it says, oh, I, oh, dang it, Google, stop. <laughs> All right. <laughs> For example, <laughs> so I say, uh, ahoy, computer. Uh, you know, I'm up, and then it will, uh, and it'll say, oh, good morning, Gunnar. The temperature is 78 degrees. Um, your first meeting is at eight o'clock. Um, and here's the news. And then it plays, you know, the the podcast that I enjoy. Um, that part's great. Um, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and there's another routine I've set up for, okay, uh, Hey, ahoy computer, I'm leaving. Uh, and then it sets the lights to where I want them to be when I leave the house and things like that. So, um, you know, all that stuff's pretty handy. It's, to, you know, not really solving a problem. Um, mm-hmm. but it, but it is nice uh, to be able to know. And it's also nice to be able to like from my phone, just like, Oh, I, I left these lights on or, you know, to be able to turn them off and things like that. that you know, that part's nice. That part's nice. so
1: so, well, how do you tell it, how do you configure it to, you know, for the, uh, you know, good morning part or whatever? Do you have to go into an interface and you've got to wire it in? Does yeah, it learn there's, a, there's a whole, and, uh,
0: yeah, there's a whole app for, that gives you all the knobs and dials okay. uh, for, for configuring it, um, which is pretty conventional. It's, it's just, you know, so you just open up the Google Home app, go to the device and then set the routines um, in the same place that you set up the connections to the other. Uh, smart devices and um, set up uh, which speakers you want that particular Google Home to use and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying it pretty well. I actually, the biggest payoff is my uh, my four-year-old um, who can now demand his podcast, his Stories podcast whenever he wants. Um, mm-hmm. So he'll wake up in the morning and he goes, oh, my computer, play Stories podcast. And then Google dutifully will start the, the Stories podcast for him. So that's... Yeah, that's great. Gives them a sense that's of nice. agency, I think, and it gives me a sense of agency too, if I'm if I'm being honest.
1: And it it, it can distinguish for by user uh, by their name.
0: I could tell Google to distinguish to associate his voice with a different account. Um, okay, I could definitely do that. Uh, he is four, and so therefore, does not have a Google account. But when he does get a he Google is. account, I will uh, I will almost definitely uh, turn on the voice match feature, and okay, um, so we can uh, separate things that way. Um, yeah, I remain frustrated, uh, by the, the being covered in Neil's thing. And then also, uh, by the fact that, uh, it's associated with my personal email, of course. Yes. Um, yes. and I can't connect it to my work, which is probably frankly, a good idea, but, uh, does make the calendar a hundred percent less useful. Yes, so, that's exactly right. Yeah.
1: And that, I bet you that I wonder if that's why calendar appointments don't show up on Android auto for me.
0: Mm. i I'll bet you it is. I'll bet you that's exactly why. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I, mm. I, mean, I think I could hook it up, but Red Hat IT has wisely decided to not let me do that. Um, yes. So uh, yeah, that probably similar setting for for Android Auto. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, Interesting. Adventures in the in the in the world of the smart home. Uh, that's yes. so. That's the that's the update. Um, how about you?
1: Ah, uh, nothing to report. This is actually the first week or the second week this calendar year I'm working from home. So it's like I almost feel guilty. Um you know, it's like I got to take time off, you know, that it's like it's so nice to work from home. Uh so I'm just so excited.
0: That's great. That's uh, that sounds nice. That sounds nice. Yeah. Um what do you say you want to get the show rolling? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh so well, okay, what's on the what's on the docket this week?
1: Yeah, so we got uh, jellyfish without jelly. We have uh, voices without humans we have source code without support and we have diversity without discrimination
0: mm, I like the uh, I like the formulation there. Uh, so Dave if folks want uh, to uh, learn more about uh, my Google home experience or or if they want to uh, a link to the uh, Google, home, Google home experience itself what website should they go visit?
1: Yeah they want to go to dgshow.org. so D's and Dave Gs and Gunner, show.org
0: okay, and uh let's see on the cutting room floor this week let me let me see if I can is there a theme I was trying to detect a theme i I couldn't find one
1: uh with mm. yeah, the other <laughs> one was without
0: <laughs> okay, I uh, gotcha, okay, all right, so backgammon with meat mm-hmm okay, uh guacamole with boris Karloff. hmm the nineteen eighties with siri mm-hmm. vim with a clutch pedal mm-hmm. <laughs> which sounds like Sounds like steampunk.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, actually, I was gonna—I was gonna say that actually sounds like my lived Vim experience. Um, and then uh, hands, and then hands with extra prosthetic thumbs,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which yep. should, should be illegal. All right.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, you need to see the video for it. It's—it's it's <laughs> actually like it's like you'll see it and you'll be like, man, I want some more thumbs. Um,
0: it, it's like great. <laughs> I'm definitely going to take your word for it. (laughs) So, all right. Jellyfish without jelly. Walk me through that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know how we're always talking about uh, eating animals that we usually don't want to eat, Mm -hmm. right? Like uh, we're talking about uh, eating crickets and bugs and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. um, new uh, snack obsession, just to keep everybody on the vanguard of of what's uh, on the wave here, is uh, jellyfish chips. Hmm. Uh
0: I remember jellyfish as not being that crispy.
1: Yes. Yes. And so you probably didn't have the ge- jellyfish marinated in um uh, uh uh salt and potassium for a couple weeks.
0: <laughs> I can hopefully not. Hopefully not.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the thought is there is that um it's it's a great source for pro- uh, source of protein, right? Mm-hmm. Um it's it's um arguably better for you than potato chips and everything um and it's also uh due to overfishing more popular seafoods are experiencing shortages but the, the geni- jellyfish other on the other hand are much more plentiful and uh that rich in vitamins and minerals
0: okay okay uh well i guess if you have to eat jellyfish i guess so if the, if you have to eat jellyfish uh, better to eat them in this crispy form. It's, they sound actually, frankly, more appetizing in the crispy form than just shoving a jellyfish in your mouth. You know what I mean? Right.
1: Yeah, a little watery. Right. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. All right. Now, now so in a surprise twist, this is not being done at a university in Japan or China.
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't know where they're doing it. It says um, you're
0: a University of Southern Denmark.
1: Oh. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right.
0: Huh. All right. Well, good luck, Danish jellyfish manufacturers. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you the best of luck. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's move on quickly to a, a non-food related item.
1: Yeah. So um, whenever we're not sticking strange foods in our stomachs, we, you know, we're always talking about sticking uh, medical devices and other types of things in mm-hmm. our stomachs, right? Yeah. Right. right? Yes. Yeah. What you do, right? Um, <laughs> Yeah. So now there's a new thing I saw that, uh, that you could take medicine and the medicine has a QR code printed on it and you, you eat it. So it looks like a, I don't know, like a inch by inch wafer that has a QR code on it. It has medicine. And then you just eat the QR code.
0: Is the, by eating the QR code, is the information then conveyed into your brain or something? Like what's the, what's the magic of the QR code?
1: Um, it's a way to, uh, make sure that people are getting the right medicines in hospitals. So, um, and you know, instead of getting, uh, prescribed the wrong medicine or the wrong medicine, going to the wrong person or the, um, the dosages being off or things like that, this is a way to, uh, you scan the QR code and you, you know, for darn sure that it is for, uh, the right person and the right, uh, dosage and the right medicine.
0: I see. Okay. So the idea is like, uh, I scan the patient's wristband, I then scan the medicine Mm -hmm. and some machine will squawk at me if I've got the wrong combination of, uh, time person and medicine. Exactly. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. I guess that's fine. I guess labeling the bottle was too complicated or,
1: well, that's, yeah, that's the thing I was wondering where it's like, well, you could label the bottle, but still, um, you know, you can get the bottles mixed up for things, but, um, having the, the qr code printed right on the medicine that you consume it's it would be hard to mix up but Mm -hmm. the thing i was thinking is that why does it have to be a qr code and why can't you just you know then you don't need a scanner and then you have like the person's name or put it in addition to the qr code because to me i'm not a fan of qr codes because you don't know what you're scanning um you know it's like i'm not a fan of qr codes
0: yeah. Well, well, I mean, just, I have aesthetic objections to QR codes, right? They just, uh, my, my, good friend uh, refers to them as robot vomit. Um, yes. yeah, I just, I just don't like looking at them. Um, uh, yeah, I guess that's fine. Although what happens when, okay, so here's a, here's a, here's a scenario. Um, what happens if you lose your ability to read the QR code?
1: Yes. Then, yeah, I guess you get a new piece of medicine, I guess, burnout. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i just so it yeah. sounds like this you know like you i'm a huge gadget person i mean I've, I've 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 voluntarily installed at least six microphones in my house so that a major multinational corporation can listen to what i'm saying um so i enjoy gadgets uh but this strikes me as kind of over rotating on the problem right mm-hmm. i think
1: yes yes how, how would you
0: solve it mm, training I mean I yeah. Yeah, I mean I, I don't I don't know if it has to get much more complicated than uh, yeah putting a barcode on the on the medicine bottle which we already have today right yes. in, in most hospitals um yeah
1: yeah and maybe maybe this was funded by the uh, uh I don't know the um national QR, uh, consortium or something like yeah, that. Exactly.
0: I mean, it seems like if you're going to, if you're, if the problem is that the wrong medicine is ending up in the bottle, which is, which is, which is what we're talking about. Um, then it seems like the failure is not at the nurse patient interaction. The, the failure is over at the, uh, at the pharmacist. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, yep. how did the, yeah. How did those wrong pills end up in that bottle? Like, let's go fix yep. that problem. All right. Yeah. Yep.
1: Well, it's also the chain from the pharmacist to the patient's mouth. Yes. Um, right. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, we talked about enough robots swallowing enough robot uh, medicine delivery systems that it seems like you should just be able to swallow one robot and have that robot be in charge of delivering your week's worth of medicine or whatever, right?
1: But yeah, we already talked about that, where the thing would grow and and stuff would stick out, and you could hold a thing up to your stomach, and it would it would be great.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now that for some reason that seems much more natural to me than this QR code thing. But okay, well, all yes, right. All right. the market will sort it out. The market will sort it out. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. So speaking of uh, speaking of microphones and uh, and and listening software.
1: Yes. Yes. So there is. Um, uh, the, I'm sure you've heard of Baidu, uh, okay. the, the wonderful uh, company in China. They are. Uh, they've come out with a piece of AI voice generation software that can. It's called Deep Voice. That can clone anybody's voice with three point seconds worth of audio. Huh.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um yeah, keep going. <laughs> keep going.
1: Yeah, so in the past they needed, you know, like the the technology needed about 30 uh 30 minutes worth of audio, but now that it can do it with just a few seconds of training material. And um on the web page on that link for the article, they have some sound samples and admittedly like the 3.7 second sample sounds like okay, you know, it's not perfect uh, like audiobook quality um but you could imagine like over a telephone or a noisy environment it's it's actually not bad the other thing that i found really interesting is that they took a sample of a person with a british accent and then they created that person saying something completely different with an american accent
0: huh oh that's interesting so they can kind of what's the word i guess transliterate the accents
1: yeah i don't know i don't know
0: huh That seems cool. Maybe, maybe if I wanted to, like, uh, try out a French accent, I could discover what you know, what what a French accent might look like.
1: Yeah, Klingon. (laughs) That's right.
0: That's right. (laughs) I mean, the what's creepy about this is well, there's a number of things that are potentially creepy about this, but well, I mean, we talked about this on the show before about um, undermining people's trust in digitized media in general, right? As a um, as a store of memory. Yes. Um, like we already assume that we can do anything we want in photos, uh, because they are so fungible. And then we talked earlier about video and of course audio now. Um, hmm.
1: yeah, no, it's exactly right. Where, you know, people would look at like, Oh, there's a photograph. So it's incontrovertible where now it's like with Photoshop, people don't believe it. Now with, um, uh deep fakes and faking video and audio it's mm-hmm. like who can you believe yeah You're, or you almost need like multiple sources to corroborate and even then who you know that could all be fake too
0: yeah that's right yeah that's oh, uh the truth is dead um nothing mm-hmm. is true and everything is permissible that's that's the takeaway right
1: yeah that's george orwell wasn't it <laughs> that's right
0: yeah 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 oh i mm-hmm. mean it was a, i don't know who said it it was uh uh we thought that the world was going to, we thought that the threat was 1984, but it turns out it was brave new world. Um, yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, just, we'll just keep developing devices and things that make us happy until, uh, until the actual stuff that keeps culture and society together is torn apart. Uh, yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah. Have some more pills.
0: Yeah. Speaking of France.
1: Yeah. So there is, um, some policy. So it's not, it's not, uh, uh, this is a proposal, not a law yet. This is a strategy document that the French government came out with, where they said that well, you know, you think about like all of this like throwaway hardware and software and everything, and if whenever a product goes end of life, if a, a manufacturer is going to end of life it, they need to open source all of the code for it.
0: Hmm. This is so. This is a little bit like the uh, the. Is similar, I guess, in spirit to like the right to repair law that California recently recently uh, discussed.
1: Um, I don't. Uh, I know that it's like, well, like so, right to repair. The way I understand it is that you know, it's like you could have some dude at the mall fix your cracked iPhone screen instead of having to take it to Apple to right. fix it, or right. you could fix it yourself. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this one, this is more like you know, you have this webcam and the webcam manufacturer decides not to make this webcam anymore well um you know in the meantime you keep using the webcam and it could have all kind of security vulnerabilities for it so wouldn't it be great if you could get access to the the, the source code to it and then be able to uh, uh patch it yourself and and keep it up to date and make sure that there are any security vulnerabilities
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. okay okay all right good distinction um, yeah. and so the idea is that if, 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 uh, if that it, was, it's, it's not just software that would be abandoned, right? Presumably it's like devices and stuff.
1: I would think, you know, like whether it's software or firmware or, you know, anything like that.
0: So I, I, I would expect that this would be, I think as with everything, this would have like weird kind of the first order effects might actually be positive, but it's going to have like funky second order effects. Um, for example, if my job is to write firmware for a car and that firmware is going to make decisions about things like fuel injection and have like kind of sophisticated stuff that I'm probably interested in patenting and keeping secret and things like that, right? Um, part of the economy of a mass-produced automobile is the idea that I can actually use pretty much the same software from one model year to another. Mm-hmm. This would create an incentive for me to g- recreate the car's operating system Every time I put out a new car, um, otherwise I am actually giving away some relatively important IP to my competitors. Every time I retire a model year of a car, right? Yes. Yes. Yep. Not great. So that's not great. Um, no, if I do that as part of, as part of like a business decision, totally cool, right? Like, yes, please. We've We've talked about this on the show. Like, yes, open source the car. Like that sounds, um, well, dangerous, but for different reasons. Um, yes. but, but, <laughs> but, 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 you know, from an economic point of view, kind of sound, that's it, that you can make sound business decisions around, around a platform like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's as with everything, like forcing something to be open source usually doesn't have the effect you want, I guess yes. is, is where I'm going.
1: Yeah. And, and to me, it's like, I think they're using open source the wrong way mm-hmm. where, you know, it's, you know, like when. You know, you think about things like the federal source code policy where, like, you don't want at the end of the program that it's like, hey, we're out of money, and then you back the dump truck off, and, <laughs> and then you stick everything in Git, you brush your hands off, and you walk away. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. So, oh, it's open source. Anybody could fix it. And mm-hmm. so, like, to me, that that could create A lot of unintended consequences where, you know, then the bad guys can look at it. And it it also assumes that you have a vibrant community of people that would maintain it where that maybe there may not be that group of people that don't care. or There may be more people that want to hack you than there are people that care. And then in the meantime, what is the software update mechanism for, you know, it's like this webcam or whatever that I have, uh, you know, how is it going to get updates if If, um, you know, does that mean I need to point, I I need to be smart enough to point to a different location to get new builds and everything. And, you know, how, how does that work?
0: Yeah, no, actually that's a, that's a great point. Um, and actually points to a different kind of a rule that I've heard knocked around a little bit, and maybe this is related to the right to repair bill, um, is, uh, putting rules in place that say that you need to be able to update software if you ship software in a consumer device. Um, so an example of a problem that this might solve is, uh, I've got a Bose speaker that I enjoy. It's a uh, Bluetooth mm-hmm. powered and I set it up in Soren's room. Um, and, uh, if it is, if you are not pushing music through it, uh, for like half an hour, it will automatically go to sleep as a power saving measure. Makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Well, makes less sense if you're, uh, if you're not really using it as a wireless speaker and you're just using it as your son's speaker, Right. Um, mm-hmm. and there is no way to turn off the auto sleep function and, uh, myself and a number of other, my, my friends in the wireless Bose speaker owning community, uh, we asked some questions of Bose that were like, Hey, can you, can you, uh, give us a firmware update that'll, that'll fix this. And a Bose replied, uh, sorry, that's not a field serviceable unit we have no way of flashing the, the, the mm. software on that. Went, what that's what, how is that even possible? Like you ship something into the you're a manufacturer you put something in the field that cannot be updated um i mean just from an engineering standpoint that sounds like a terrible idea but uh uh now as a consumer now but now it's you know now this thing is you know from my point of view now permanently broken um and i have no way of of repairing it and so instead of forcing someone to now give me the source code for the bose speaker which i don't care about um putting a rule in place that says that anyone can can uh update software that you have shipped uh that seems like a much more interesting rule Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because then you're automatically creating a secondary market for whatever kind of software you want like so if you want to go put a new firmware in your wireless router you can do that if you want to update my bose speaker please update my bose speaker um then you can then you can do that um I mean, that seems like it would have the effect that I think France is going for, right?
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes.
0: All right. I don't know why people don't ask me about this before they start circulating strategy documents. Like...
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right? I th- I
0: th- I, like that, yeah, I mean, they could have called us. Uh, yeah. No, but I mean, the, um, I don't think I'm wrong about this. That that um, I think that I think the, the intentions are good, but I think they're pulling the wrong lever. It's it's, yes. a, it's a very crude tool to just say like, well, you have to release all your IP out into the wild in the hopes that someone will pick it up and start maintaining it again. Um, it's actually more interesting to say that anyone should be able to put their own software in your hardware. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, very much like your wireless routers and stuff, which is fun.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right.
1: Okay. Well, the the last thing we have, and this is, have you been following the, the Google lawsuits for, um, diversity?
0: Uh, no, James Dal- Dalmore. Is that his name?
1: Yeah, I think so. James something. Yeah. yeah
0: James something, the, uh, uh, real charming guy. Uh, uh I've, I've been following his story a little bit, but no, I haven't been following the Google story very closely, to be honest.
1: Okay. So like you said, it's like it, one of the first ones where it started off was that, that James guy with, you know, he, published this internal manifesto that said that, uh, you know, well, there's a reason why there isn't a 50-50, you know, male-to-female uh, ratio in computer science or in, you know, computer technology. And it's because, you know, you know, men are more suited for this biologically. And, you know, he goes into this and then um, I guess that goes public and then Google ends up um, firing him, okay? And then there's another person, that is on the other end of the spectrum that uh, claims that, that he got fired because he was being, he was promoting diversity too much and he got fired for whatever reason. I don't know what he said, but, um, (laughs) but he was like being too diverse, you know, like saying, Mm -hmm. like saying that, you know, uh, uh, you know, white males, you know, being like, like, like inflammatory in that direction.
0: Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so now there's a, so, so that's two lawsuits. The third lawsuit um, that i found pretty interesting is that there is a recruiter that is now suing Google. So, it's a recruiter that I guess he was working for Google, and uh, with Google, you know, being data-driven and everything, they were setting uh, you know mathematical goals to hit uh, to and to really really push for diversity, mm-hmm. and and it was to the point where they the, the hiring manager instructed the recruiting team to only consider candidates from historically underrepresented groups.
0: Oh, so, yeah, you're, that's not allowed. You're not allowed yeah. To, yeah.
1: Yeah. And and so then the the recruiter pushed back saying that, no, it's like I'm not getting, you know, for, for these particular positions. And it wasn't for, like, everybody. It was for, like, a certain level of software engineer, um, and, you know, like a level three or a level five engineer or something. And, you know, they they were like, well, there, we're, we should only consider candidates that fit this this uh, uh, historically un, underrepresented group uh, demographic. And, he, you know, he raised his hand and said that, no, you can't do that. That's not cool. And um, so he wound up just like interviewing people anyhow. And he got fired. And now he is suing. um saying that uh you know that uh you know so but the thing for me is that um you know it's like you know setting goals for diversity is acceptable but setting quotas isn't so where do you draw the line as far as like you know how, how can you be diverse without being discriminatory
0: right right well and this is the this is like like a Theological question, which we've which we're like forcing poor labor law to, to go answer for us, right? Um, yeah, it's just it's 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 I here we're, and here we're definitely at like kind of the frontier of my understanding. Like, my I think almost everything I know about this topic, um, is gleaned from you know the training that I get at work, right? Um, mm-hmm. like, like I think most people, um, and it is it's a it's a tricky, uh, it's a tricky, uh, I mean, it, it, it's a very delicate situation to walk because you can certainly as an organization, like at our company, like we're very clear that like we, we value diversity and we want to get more different kinds of people in different kinds of jobs. Right. And I think there's an inherent good to that, um, both for the company and and both for the individuals, for the company, for, for the world at large. Um, but any kind of instrumental steps you make in that direction, um, have a, have a bias built into them. Um, Mm -hmm. which is why they're, which is why it's not legal. Um, and so, uh, yeah, this is tricky and it's not surprising that, I mean, um, the, you know, you go all the way back to the civil rights movement of the sixties and even earlier back in the, uh, back in the twenties and then right after the civil war and the rest of it, like America has not figured this out as a culture. So it's not a surprise that we have not really figured out as a, as a as a, as a set of laws and even less surprising that a company like Google, um, cannot make everybody happy. And in fact, is doing a pretty good job making nobody happy. Right. <laughs>
1: well, and they just, I'll have to throw the link in the notes too. It's like, they just like, they had a big announcement that they just solved their, um, pay gap, the gender pay gap problem. Mm-hmm.
0: And it was like
1: 230 K difference or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. It wasn't 230K for everybody. It was like 230K, like, boom, up net,
0: done. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Although, so, okay, so let's maybe make this a little more personal. Is that have you, have you found um, in your job, have you found any uh, ways in which you can increase diversity while staying within the, the set of rules that we've been given?
1: It's a great question. I, you know, I think it's like, to me, it's like, you know, how do you like, and that's the thing that I struggle with. Uh, so like I put in the show notes, one of the, uh, a book I just finished over the weekend called Brotopia
0: mm-hmm.
1: where in, uh, you might've seen like some articles about it from a couple months ago where people were, you know, it was all salacious talking about like, the sexual antics in Silicon Valley and it it was so salacious and clickbaity. And I think everybody focused on that instead of the rest, you know, the other 250 pages of the book. And, you know, there, there was like a section where there was a a guy at um, I think he was at Harvard business school saying that, uh, you know, he was really interested in hiring um, this African American lady and and he was like, but the but he was like torn as far as like should he say something because it's like he really wanted to hire her, but it would also address his like diversity goals, and you know so should he say something out loud to her and all that and, and at the end of the day he he did say something and uh, she was like totally cool with it, um, saying that it's like oh I I get it but it wasn't like oh I'm hiring you because you know, you are, a a, uh, you know, an underrepresented minority. Mm -hmm. Um, and and it's, and to me, it's like, like I'm always looking at the content of a person's character. I like, I don't look at, you know, gender or any other metric. You know, I, I try to get along with everybody and a, a good person is a good person. I don't care what, you know, they do out of work or whatever, you know, it's, it's like, uh, or their gender or anything like that. And, So it's like, how do you take something like that and turn it into something that's objective and measurable or legal?
0: Right. And that's a really interesting question, too, because I know Google famously data driven company. Right. And so they're naturally I can imagine there being a tension in the organization kind of culturally where their bias is going to be towards like, well, I got to measure all this stuff. Right. And if you want me to if you want me to turn an eight into a 10, then I got to go measure eights and 10s. You know, I got to. um, And so which is. Uh, which is, which means that, uh, kind of the tool they are most likely to reach for is exactly the tool, which is expressly forbidden in labor law. Right. Um, yeah. and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it gets very, it's super slushy. It's, it's, it's super slushy. I mean, it's really, I think at heart, this is going to sound very milk toast, but I mean, I think at heart, a lot of this stuff just boils down to like basic decency and, mm-hmm. uh, being willing to give people opportunities, right? Um the uh like being willing to take a shot on somebody um in the same way that you would uh you know hire somebody earlier in their career in the, on the promise that um oh I think I could really cultivate this person and they could be they could end up being a real leader in the organization. And so um I'm gonna hire them rather than focusing on their lack of expertise, I'm gonna focus on their strength in these other areas and I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring them in. It's kind of choices like that is that's how, that's how diversity translates for me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes. And so it's, it's really more about, uh, kind of like, okay, what do we have? What do we, what, uh, what attributes do we need coming in the door? And then what attributes are we willing to spend time and attention to develop? Um, that's kind of, uh, uh, anyway, that's, I wish I was more articulate about this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I it, to me, it's like
1: I was struggling with this. It's like you read, you know, and it's like I said, it's like there are people on one side of the spectrum. There are people on the other side of the spectrum. And there's, you know, it's like it, it is just such a mess.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And going back to, I guess my, my original point of like just as a culture, we haven't figured this out yet. And every time, you know, if you're at a cocktail party, as you know, I know you spend as about as much time at cocktail parties as I do. You're you're at a cocktail party and, uh, and the issue of, of racism or sexism or, or any other kind of bias comes up and, you know, you immediately get kind of, you get very second guessy and very guarded and you kind of watch your words really carefully. Right. And it's kind of a natural reaction because you feel like you're going to step on landmines. Um, yes. Uh, so, uh, which isn't to say that it's the project, like the, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, now I'm going to get even more dangerous. I'm going to refer to this as like the liberal project, which is, which is what it is, you know, this is creating a more liberal society, um, which we've been embarking on for the last, you know, two, 300 years, um, uh, with mixed success. Um, it's, uh, it is the conversation is ongoing. It is constantly evolving, um, words, terms, um, and, mores, is that the right word kind of fall Mm -hmm. in and out of favor and then fall in and out of favor with different cohorts. Right. Um, and so it's, I'm never clear if I'm on, I'm on safe ground. Um, and even if I have the no list of intentions, if I'm express, I could, I could easily be expressing myself in the wrong way. Um, even in this rambling speech, I feel like I could be expressing myself in the wrong way about it and, you know, inadvertently step on a step on a particular landmine. Um, it's a very anxious conversation and I wish I was better at it. I guess that's the
1: end of the story. Well, no, and you can tell how you and I, who can probably spat off on about anything, it's like we're parsing very carefully, and we're, you know, but... (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah, and it's it's a hard problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but anyhow, I recommend that book. Uh, It's, like, to me, it's, like, it's scary uh, as far as, like, how, you know, like, just reading that book, how it's, like, how certain companies treat women is like surprisingly bad. And and I'm fortunate to work for a company where it's like, I don't see it at least. Um, I don't know if it's because we're out of the Silicon Valley bubble. Um, but you know, it's just like there are certain things that it's just in that book that we're just like, holy crap. And to, to help me build empathy um, and make sure that, you know, if anything even comes close to that, to like jump on it as a leader and mm-hmm. make sure it doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. 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 No, that's right. That's right. <sighs> All right. Well, actually, you know, this conversation, uh, has given me some homework. I, I've decided that I'm going to, I need to go, I need to go get smarter about this topic and maybe I'll report back in the next episode what I've learned. How about that?
1: Sounds good. Okay. Sounds
0: good. All right. I'm okay.
1: Well, in the meantime, though, if, if people need to uh, get that uh, meat-themed backgammon set. Um...
0: <laughs> Speaking of diversity. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Diversity of thought. Um, yeah. Where, where do we need to send them?
0: They should absolutely go to uh, uh, dgshow.org. So it's D's and Dave, G as in Gunner, show.org.
1: All right. Awesome. Very good. Thanks a lot, Gunner. Thanks, everybody, for listening.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, everyone.